Sweet City Woman. If you ever want to know what kind of music we're playing, uh, you can um, join our Facebook group. Just search Morano Radio Fans and Haters. That's M-O-R-A-N-O, Radio Fans and Haters. I'll tell you, uh, there are not a lot of reasons that I tune away from our radio station. We have a lot of great hosts. Uh, However, one of the few podcasts that gets me to tune away from time to time is Pete Dominic. Uh, Pete Dominic is terrific. He's not only a podcaster, he's been a terrific radio talk show host. Uh, a lot of great years on Sirius XM. I stole a lot of great ideas and a lot of great guests from him. Also, a very funny stand-up comic, news commentator, and uh, wears a lot of other hats as well. Kind enough to join us on the radio today. Pete, thanks for coming on. I'm a big fan. Frank, you say such kind things, and I am a fan of yours. I've been listening to the show in the in the podcast format, and I have really been enjoying it. And I am very happy to be a guest of yours on such a big night, morning. What, how do you refer to uh, the time of day that you live? The 1 o'clock hour is always so tricky. I never know whether to say it's night or morning, and neither do the folks. But uh, well, I, 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 I loved no hearing you talk. I loved hearing you talk on a, an episode. I think it was last week about your you and other people in in terms of living nocturnally, in terms of of having this weird schedule and 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 how to deal with it when you wake up and you realize so much, so many things have happened. I think that's what you were talking about the other day. So much news had happened, and I I can relate. I've I've done shows in almost every single time slot over my career. And it's this oh, this shift that you do is over. It's it's the best in many ways. Time to be on the radio, but it throws it throws your life and and you have a little <laughs> child, don't you? This is true. Yes, everything you just said is true, and uh, it certainly <laughs> it certainly can be a bit of a, a culture shock. Now, uh, P, I'm a big fan. I listen to you all the time. I subscribe to your podcast. Used to listen to you on Sirius. I've seen you on a bunch of other shows as well. Uh, for people that may not be familiar with you, I want to give listeners on either side of the aisle an opportunity to guard themselves against any. Any uh, hypnotic propaganda that you may be trying to slip into our conversation. <laughs> and I know you don't like uh, labels, and that's one of the reasons I always gravitated towards your show, because I don't like labels either. But how would you characterize your own politics, just so people know whether they should put an asterisk next to anything you say that makes too much or too little sense? <laughs> we want to make sure people can, can have all of their preconceived biases attached to anything I'm about to say about myself. That's what you're telling me? Yes, exactly. <laughs> Man, I used to describe myself as an independent or as a, you know, someone who was just didn't know that much about politics and and I I really didn't want to put out labels because I feel like you're generalizing. As soon as someone says, "Oh, I'm a liberal or I'm a conservative," the person listening makes all kinds of assumptions right. as to what they believe. But that being said, Nowadays, I guess I don't like liberal and conservative or Democrat and Democrat and Republican because I like Earth One and Earth Two. Mm-hmm. That's where I'm. 
I like to think I'm on Earth One, where <laughs> I don't know more than an epidemiologist because I'm a comedian, and I believe you know that Joe Biden won the election. And that vaccines work. And once we establish, you know, some of the baseline things, which aren't liberal or conservative, in my mind, they're Earth One and Earth Two. Then we could start talking about all the other controversial and divisive issues. Uh, but again, I always prefer to talk to the experts, the people who study those issues for a living. Well, same here. And, you know, one of the things that I was always struck by about you on the radio and now on your podcast, which I want to ask you about in a bit, is not only do you uh, cover a lot of great topics and not only do you sound great, not only do you have a lot of interesting guests, but you really know how to pace a show as well as anyone. And it's sort of your use of sound, your use of words, um, the way just the auditory experience of listening it, it, it's really as good as anything else uh, that's on the radio. And I always wanted to ask you, who did you grow up listening to on the radio, if anyone? Because it seems like you have you've developed a uh, a sort of a uh, a talk radio trained ear, if that's such a thing. Well, thank you very much for your your kindness and your generosity, Frank. I actually feel the same way about you as I was listening to the show. I mean, you really know what you're doing. You're very prepared, and you've got all kinds of different levels in, in on your show and. So for me, though, I didn't grow up listening to anybody. We didn't have Howard Stern. And I grew up in Syracuse. So we had some morning radio jocks, but I didn't really listen to them. I didn't even really listen to, I, I, I'm always embarrassed to say, music is my cultural blind spot, but I didn't even listen to that much music. So I, but I was heavily influenced by comedians. And so I came up in the New York City mm. comedy scene uh, over the last 20 years. You know, I started there in the, in the mid, late 90s. And I think that's where I developed my sense of how to perform for any audience, which does extend to radio. Of course, the, the weirdest thing was going from comedy clubs and headlining all over the country into a radio studio with, you know, with, with nobody in it. So you have all these people and audiences. I warmed up the audiences at the Colbert Report, mm. the Daily Show every night, the best audiences in the world. They're right in front of you. You see them. And then you're in a radio studio, as you are now, and you don't see anybody, but there's more people listening to you than ever were in those venues that you performed in. And you have to recreate that in your mind and realize that as I sit in my shed in Rockland County, New York, talking to you, I'm thinking about all the people all over New York City and beyond that are listening to us talk right now and hoping against hope I'm not boring them yet. Was that a difficult transition for you to make a stand-up comedy to to radio and being used to seeing that uh, that that crowd reaction to seeing nothing in real time? No, no, it wasn't. What's your next question, Frank? <laughs> um, in terms, in how did you become a talk show host? Man, that was uh, that was just a lucky break. I was. Uh, a pretty, you know, I knew all the comics in New York. One of my buddies, Steve Hofstetter, was hosting the show in Sirius, and it was a panel show. And he would invite me on the, to do panel, and I always did a pretty good job on panel. And then they were looking at Sirius XM or Sirius at that point; they hadn't merged. They were looking for a host for another show, and that show was fun, Frank, because it was I hosted as like a, a call-in request show, but for comedians or for comedy bits. So I hosted the show and I would take callers and they would request, oh, I want to hear Jerry Seinfeld. I want to hear Richard Pryor. 
And then you would play. You'd play the clips for him. You'd talk comedy. You'd interview comedians. And then that trans I, – I luckily worked really hard to evolve that into – a show similar to now what you do, you know, like I had, I had a three hour live radio show where I interviewed experts and took calls and, but it was, I got, I got kind of lucky. They hired me to host this show in the comedy channel. And then it turned into a show that was what I called like a public interest show, politics uh, show. No, that sounds like uh, that sounds like uh, a lot of fun. Uh, let me ask you about the comedian that we uh, that we lost this week, a legendary comic figure, uh, really loved by everybody that knew him, Gilbert Gottfried. Uh, did you get to know Gilbert at all personally? And what yeah, kind of? Yeah, I knew Gilbert. Tell me, yep. tell me your thoughts yep. on Gilbert's passing. Oh, he was he well on his passing. I mean, well, let me just tell you about him mm -hmm. uh, and that he was a comedian's comedian. Everybody loved Gilbert. He was fearless. He was original and in and, and real life. He's kind and introverted and shy. And he had a lovely wife. Uh, I was at his birthday party years ago at Caroline's Comedy Club and his wife surprised him with, with a cake. And, you know, he became a father at a much older age for his career. But just a great guy and a super talented guy, and everybody loved him. And he was very kind, Frank. You really down to earth, kind. You could talk to him about anything. And he's one of those comedians who, one of the rare comedians that really made you feel like you were important when you were talking to them. Most comedians are just waiting to talk, right, and wanting to be heard. But he really, he really was the guy who you connect with, and he'd listen to you and and, and have empathy, and then make a joke at your expense and, 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 and cut you bad. And it was always amazing. Do you, you know, one of the complaints that we've heard from a lot of comedians, even high profile comedians like Jerry Seinfeld and Chris Rock, is that the the constraints to be PC and inoffensive today limit some of the audiences that you can perform in front of. Jerry says that uh, he'll no longer do college campuses for that reason. Do you find that to be problematic? No. Or, no. No, I find that to be so overplayed. I mean, listen, if you're a super famous comedian or person now, you always have to be careful. You've always had to be careful. And, you know, technology has changed. Everybody has a camera in their pocket and you can instantly put it online and then we can all judge and shame and whatever. But I, I just haven't found that. It's just never been my experience. I've been doing comedy 20 years. I performed at colleges. Colleges were always politically correct. They, you know, you, they never wanted you to get too dirty and talk too much about sex, especially, uh, and, and so on. And they still are to some extent politically correct. These are young people trying to find themselves and so on. But, but I mean, that's always been the case. And those guys all know it. They came up in, in those markets, those scenes, just as I did. And I just think it's a lot of, you know, I, I think it's a lot of exaggeration. I really do. I, there are some things that rub me the wrong way that we, we can't do this or that, but I've not had any joke of, of mine get me into career trouble. I think that you try not to punch down, you know, you just, if you, if you had a lot of luck in your life and privilege in your life and you're, you know, you're going after somebody who's in a wheelchair, you, you know, it's probably not great. Uh, it depends on, you know, and I'm not talking about crowd work. That's, you can do anything you want there. That's as long as it's not, you know, planned. Uh, you could still get away with, I think, what a lot of what Don Rickles would get away with. Mm -hmm. So I have complicated feelings. I think the more well-known you are, the kind of the harder it is because the far further you can fall and the more people care, but I've not had any problems, Frank. I, I've, I, you know, and I, I'm not uh, some meek guy. You know me. Oh yeah. I'm, I'm pretty courageous with with my words. I just, 
I just don't punch down, I think, is the general rule to be careful of. And I'd like to think I'm not a jerk. No, I, I mean, as a listener, I, I certainly wouldn't ascribe that uh, that distinction to you. Uh, talking <laughs> with you, Pete man. Dominic, he's a podcaster and a stand-up comic. You could check out the website standupwithpete.com, and you'll learn a lot more about him, and you'll be able to listen to the podcast through that. How do you like doing the podcast as opposed to a live radio show? Do you like it any more, any less, about the same? What's your what's your kind of comparison to those two somewhat different forms of delivering entertainment and information? I like live radio better. I'm not going to lie to you. All right, well, I'm jealous of what I'm jealous of what you're doing right now. Well, whatever you feel like a late night, Pete, you come in and uh, be happy to have you for an hour or two whenever you feel like it. You you ever you ever want to you ever want to leave that chair? Uh, you know it'll it'll be like Pete Best in the Beatles, Holly uh, Pip in the Dodge. Um, no, I, I I live radio is great because we we have people listening right now to your show. They could jump in, they can call in, they can be heard, they can have their opinion, their voice heard. You you can just always just go to them when you have a lull. I love live radio. I love taking callers. I love meeting people from all over the world, you know, or, or the country, whatever, uh, strangers. I love that aspect of it. I love that you're flying by the seat of your pants. So you can't, if you make a mistake, it's out there. And when you do a podcast, it's a taped show. So you can fix mistakes. And when you can fix mistakes, it allows you to make more mistakes. And it's just not the same. It's just not as you know, uh, th- there are advantages career-wise and flexibility-wise for sure. And I love what I'm doing because I, I sit in a garden shed surrounded by my gardens. I'm home with my family and, and my lifestyle is fantastic. And I don't miss, you know, working for some big corporate media giant. Mm. That's for sure. So I don't miss that. But that, that moment that you're in right now that we're in and you're in the chair and the microphone and the phones are there and they're lit – there's nothing like it. Losing my job at Sirius XM was the hardest thing that's ever happened for me, which means I've had a pretty good life. <laughs> but I mean, you know, career wise, my career always was growing and expanding and getting better and better. And then within Sirius, I just kept getting promoted and, and re-signed and more money and all of it. And then boom, it just ended. And there's no resentment or anger or bad feelings. That's the game. It's corporate media. They made changes. And I, you know, got a new lease on my life, frankly, when I started the daily podcast, which is a lot of work. I always get mad when I listen to these shows and the end of them, you probably agree with this. You hear like 10 different names, 20 different names of people. You're like, yeah, it's just you in a shed. (laughs) I've got all those elements. I got two guests a day. I got a whole news recap. I got sound. I got all the things. It's just me in a shed. I, I love one of the things I really enjoy about your podcast is because I tune in almost just to hear what the introduction of you is going to be like on any given show. What uh, one, one introduction might be, uh, please welcome the host whose body is a temple and whose bald head is the steeple. Uh, a host who would never tempt fate by angering the sun or those horrible gophers. Uh, the podcast yeah. host who leaves all personal content online, especially when it involves a backyard animal invasion. Now, yes. I, I'm guessing you write these yourself. No, that's what's beautiful. But I would never write any of that garbage. <laughs> well, where's the where are these coming from? That is a super talented listener named Pete Coe. He's a voiceover actor who lives out in California. And 
the great thing about my show is a lot of it is crowdsourced. So music, bits, guest ideas, even guests. We have a lot of smart people who listen who come on as become as guests. But Pete Coe is like a musician and, and voiceover guy. And he's really, really funny. And he's got this great voice and he's just eccentric. So he just, it, the, the conceit is there's a guy that listens to the show that writes the intro to the show. I have no idea what he's going to do. I just hit play <laughs> and I'm as entertained by it as the listener. That's the whole bit. I love it. And yeah, I have no idea what he's going to do. He does it every, almost every single day. Cause I do the show every day. One of the things that I really enjoy about your show is that there's no hesitance about talking to people of different views, uh, having guests on that you might not agree with. And back in the days when you were alive, taking calls from people that uh, you might not agree with. And you would always tell people, think for yourself, always question what you hear, always look at your sources. And I think that's a degree of critical thinking that's missing in almost all forms of media where people have gotten so accustomed to tuning to uh, left-wing media or right-wing media and then almost switching off the questioning part of their brain and just saying, oh, what is this person that I like say about this issue or that issue? Let me just go along with this. Why do you think the country has become so tribal these days, whereas 20, 30 years ago it wasn't like that? Um, I'm not sure if it wasn't like that. It's certainly far different than it is now. And I think that there's, this is a 10 hour conversation, of course, as to how we got to where, where we are. But I think if I were to point to one thing, I, I would say that it's, it's, a, there's a lot of fear and that, that fear is as a result of, of change. And people are really struggling with, with so, and always have with, with that. And I think media has exacerbated it so much for, for money and for ratings. I think it's pretty simple that, that it, it's really the fault of, of certain types of media, certain media personalities that are good at this, that divide people to get ratings, to sell ads. And then the politicians, I actually almost blame less because the politicians just take whatever the, right. the media is doing and copy it to get elected. Right. Uh, because that's how you get elected to some extent is to divide people. I'm in a heated board of education election here, Frank, in my community. And I'm, it's, it's wild, you know, how, it, how it's all working, playing out even at this level with the Board of Education. Obviously, we're so divided on everything these days. But I think that that's the issue. And I've always tried to unify people. And it's harder now than it's ever been. And I lose my composure way too often these days because I just feel like there's so much injustice out there and so much death and, 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 and you know, just all kinds of different problems. I think anybody can name several. But I'm going to keep trying to find ways to to talk to people who come from, you know, a completely different point of view than I do. But it's hard when, when they're living on Earth 2 and I'm on Earth 1. Fair That's enough. Uh, let me end with this, Pete, um, and I hope you'll come back soon and make this a, like I always a regular ask every thing. every guest before they come on, like, moon, made of cheese? Do you think the moon... <laughs> 
Let's start there. See, did, I, I, did, did, I, the astro- did Buzz Aldrin land and walk on the moon? Let's I, start there. I seek out the guys that think the moon is made of cheese. That's maybe the one difference between us. You know, now, I've heard the show. I've heard your show. <laughs> Finally, Pete, uh, give me a prediction for the midterms. How do you think they pan out this year? Conventional wisdom has the uh, party that's not in power always gaining seats. You think the Republicans win yep. one house, both houses? What do you think? Yeah, I think that the conventional wisdom applies here to some extent for that one for that rule. But and I think that the other issue is, you know, Boar's listeners is the most important thing. But it's the districts and and, Mm. and how they're gerrymandered. And there's still yet uh, remains to be seen how that's going, how those are going to be finally drawn. Uh, The voting access is going to be an interesting in terms of these new voter laws. If they if if they do anything and those are hard to solve for. My big question is, have. Republicans in these deep red states and districts overplayed their hand by passing laws like they have in Oklahoma yesterday. Mm. You know, I used to think we live in a country where there's a lot of divided divisiveness on the issue of abortion. But it used to be even the people who are anti-abortion, they made exceptions for rape and incest. These new laws don't have those exceptions. And so I wonder if that's too far. Pete, I'm going to have to end it there. I have to break, and uh, we'll let you get back to guzzling maple syrup. I hope we can uh, chat again soon. (laughs) How do you know my secret? No comment. Uh, Pete Dominic, uh, check him out, standupwithpete.com. The podcast is Stand Up With Pete.